and welcome to Dinger Ball. We just had a great World Series, and we're going to go ahead and talk about that in this episode. We had a lot of things go on, and it was a World Series to remember. And I think, Houston, we might kind of have a problem, maybe with more than one thing. But before we get to that, I'm with Jacob Hennessy. How's it going, Jacob? It's going real well, Logan. Good to be here. Uh, I think it's actually our first time being able to do a podcast where we've been in the same room. Uh, it's great to be down here in St. Louis. Uh Joining a couple cold ones in the middle of this uh, broadcast, and very excited to talk about what just happened the last week and a half of baseball with the World Series. Absolutely. This World Series is one of the most okay World Series, in my opinion. I think it was pretty good. Um, the road team won every single game, so I mean, that's kind of something we're going to talk about later, which is... I it's unheard of. Yeah, something you've never seen before, so that's it's really never weird. happened. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and we can talk about that in the future too here and also i mean we could just talk about our future plans on what we're going to do here coming up over these next few months in the off season um we're going to have a few people on our podcast most notably um the person who runs dingerball Derek blair we're going to talk with him and we're going to have a lot of good stuff with him because he's a pretty smart guy and we're also going to talk with a couple other people some fun segments uh bring some people who don't know much about baseball on here and we're going to quiz them yeah, and we'll also be talking to some people that were RX teammates, uh, and maybe some of you if you're over, if you're out there on Twitter. We're looking for people to bring on. We got probably about twelve episodes, twelve thirteen episodes we need to fill, and if you want to have your say on our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. On Dingerball, could be you, but we might as well hop in here to our. Topic of the night, which I mean, World Series champions, the freaking Nationals. How do you feel about that? Hey, you know what? I think we both sat down at the beginning of this World Series, and I believe we both said it's going to happen. They were the they were the hotter team coming in. They were the better overall starting staff. I, in my opinion, personally, yeah, I, I think that their starting staff was better. When you look at uh, Animal Sanchez, the way he pitched against St. Louis, you look at. Scherzer, obviously. Strasburg, obvious. Patrick Corbin didn't – I don't think he started a World Series game. But he came out of the bullpen in big situations and shut down a very good – very solid offense, uh, especially no, most notably in Game 7. He was unbelievable that game. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that it was pretty cool to see how well they played out the World Series. I mean, I thought Houston was going to win. We both picked Houston at the beginning, um, but they didn't win, you know. Picks are fun, you know. That's like that's the best part. That's my favorite part about baseball is there really is no, like, favorite team. There's not a team that is ever going to be unbeatable. And, like, mm-hmm. never. it's never going to happen. There, Any team can win any game on any given day. And it just kind of depends on how the game is going that day. Um, also, I want to uh, say Juan Soto had one hell of a first legal beer. <laughs> he did. He did. I think he enjoyed it more than most people enjoy their first beer. I oh, would, yeah. at least, if I was him. <laughs> that is incredible. Just, first first legal beer is celebrating a World Series victory. <laughs> is he the anti-Tom Brady? And the fact that people are always like, he's only 21. And people are always like, oh, Tom Brady's only 42. I mean, if you're going to go with that, he's more like exactly like Tom Brady. But it's just now we're saying like now we're saying he's really young versus he he's older than a, 
box of rocks. Does age matter? I think it for the depends on the position. And like baseball wise, I genuinely don't think that you can be a forty you, you can't play in your forties in the outfield. You definitely can't play in your forties behind the plate. Hmm? I can see that. But I mean outfield I just think like once you lose that step in the outfield Balls in the gap that you make when you're 26, you might not make when you're 38, 39 years old because you lost just a little bit of speed, and that's a huge difference, especially in in a league like we play in now where every single step is calculated and it's counted. You get, if you look at outfield, they can determine your, how well your routes are, your top speed, uh, average speed, mm-hmm. catch efficiency. They have so much that they can calculate you on that – it's there's no logical reason to have a 42 year old playing outfield when you have no. a 26 25 year old that can be just as effective if not more effective based on everything in general i don't care if this 42 year old is just hitting well but he's still not going to be able to play because he can't make plays in the outfield and all of a sudden yeah maybe he gets you two two three runs every month mm-hmm. added per uh from the offensive side but he's losing so much defensively because those balls in the gap that he's not getting to, most average MLB players make. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Except, like, on the mound, you got to look at like guys like Max Scherzer. I mean, honestly. Timeless. He's going to be... He's gotten better. Almost, He's, he's almost better. like Nolan Ryan in that aspect. of He's like a fine wine. He just continues to get better and better over time. And there's just going to be a moment when he's going to, like, hurt himself and he'll be done. But at what time does that come? When he's 36 or when he's 44? I don't think he's ever going to well, stop because he's good. Yes, and I he agree. He's a competitor. I agree, but I also do kind of see that kind of coming along a little bit earlier than I think most people expected. Uh, something's not right with him. You don't wake up and can't move your arm if some, if something's not right. So maybe that's a, a problem he needs to address over the offseason. He might be already talking about it with like team doctors like that. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm 22. I've never woken up where I can't get myself out of bed and dressed. And, I mean, I have, but I mean, you also tore your pectoral. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's moments when I pitch so much that my arm just—I literally couldn't do anything with my arm. I felt. I, I mean, I, we've I've had that, but I've never been able to like. I've had get moments it, do like simple tasks. Yeah, I've never I've had, had that problem. I've had moments before where I like try to lift my arm above my head. And I was, like, putting a shirt on, and I have a cramp, and I couldn't put my shirt on because of that, and I, like, do something really weird to get it on. So, I mean, I feel like that kind of happens. Especially, like, it's an overuse kind of injury, and he needs time to repair. And yeah. then, I mean, next preseason, be kind to him. Let him have, like, a little bit of time to really build up. Maybe then, he'll get ramped up a little bit differently next year. Yeah, because, I mean, he's not, like, a rookie. He's not going to be, like, a guy where you're going to be like, oh, hey, I, I'm only going to bring you up, like, you know, I'm gonna bring you up, and I'm gonna push you really hard at the beginning and see what you can do. You already know what you can do. You know, you know what you're getting with Max Scherzer at this point. You know yeah. what you're getting with Scherzer. You know, what you're honestly that entire national rotation for next year. Yep. You know what you're getting from them because I feel like Anibal Sanchez planted himself in that number four role. He's just an and average he, pitcher now, but he's still good. Sanchez could be a two or three on most teams. Yeah. He has that type of talent. He's not a he's not a frontline starter. He's nope. not an ace. Nope. But he's got two, three talent. And then you kind of look at it. Scherzer's gonna be their one. A. Oh, Strasburg. Strasburg's gonna be their one B. <laughs> and then you got Sanchez, Corbin, and 
whoever they else gotta you figure want. Out, they gotta figure out a fifth starter is about all they need. Whoever else you want to throw, it yeah. doesn't really matter you, at I that mean, point. You'd like to have Garrett someone... Cole! I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, Wrong! You would like to have a guy that's good enough. We will talk about Garrett Cole here in a few minutes, but... Uh, you'd like to have a guy, a fifth starter, that's like what the Astros have in Houston this year. Yeah, I agree. With, like, I don't know how you pronounce his name, your quaddy. You're quitty. You're quitty? You're quitty. That yeah. dude is a talent, and he is going to be good for years to come. He is a great starter, and he proved himself that this postseason. He's a good pitcher. He's going to be able to win you baseball games, and that's what you need out of a fifth starter. I mean, like, the better question is, who is Houston going to get who they're going to turn into another stud? They, now they have a list of guys like Justin Verlander, who is dead. They have Garrett Cole, who wasn't an ace. He was like a good two or three, came their stud. Then they have Wade Miley. Charlie Morton. They have other guys like um, Aaron Sanchez, and then also your quaddy. Like, well, you know their number of top starters. Me when he comes back healthy next year, McCullers. Lance has been out for the entire year. He tore his UCL. That's why he's been out. But he's a stud. that guy is. I mean, I played games in the MLB the show with him, and I would go fastball, curveball, and then once they figure out the curveball, go with the changeup. He has that type of talent where. Uh, He's got three, four, kind of fifth pitch maybe. Does he have a two-seamer as well? I feel like he has a few. I feel like he's I know he's a four-seam and a two-seam. He is very Garrett Cole-esque. I think his curveball is better than Cole's, but I think Cole's fastball is a little bit better. I think if you give him a little bit of time to develop his, like what he's good at, he's going to do it. Cause like you, He needs a little bit more experience. He's a little rough around the edges, but he has all the talent. It's just like once he gets in those moments – and he realizes what to do in those moments, and he realizes he's confident in those moments. Garrett Cole. Oh yeah, he's definitely he's and he's gonna figure it out. Yeah, it's like I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if going into opening day next year for Houston, he's their basically their number one starter. If he yeah. has a, if he has a strong spring, there's a very high chance. I feel like he might even be able to be opening game one. Down in wherever they're playing. I don't know who they're playing yet. I haven't looked at next year's schedule. <laughs> I'm more focused on all their stuff. But I agree. Uh, there's definitely a chance for him to be that that de facto ace. That's kind of tough because you're gonna have Verlander and you're gonna have Grinky. And I mean, who do you put in that rotation? Like after like after that, uh, point, apparently for Houston, throw whoever you want in that rotation. They'll be good. That's how it's. That's how it's felt. Is this like season kind of a letdown for him though, because everything, or is it expected? I don't know if it's a letdown. I don't think you can consider a baseball season lost when game, you went game seven. when you went to the brink of another World Series title and you push it to seven games after going down 0-2 at home, and you found a way to fight back to get the lead. Yeah. And then you lost it again at home. I don't know if it's necessarily a letdown. It's obvious, like. Like, big picture letdown. Obviously, it's a letdown. You want to win that game. You want to win the World Series. You want to be the champions. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily a letdown for them because they, if you look at the season they had, look at Bregman had one of probably his best season of his career. Yeah. And he's only going he's only gonna to get better. He's going to get better. Jose, Man, Altuve, Jose Altuve played awesome at second base. He did. And he was very clutch in the postseason. Carlos Correa was injured for the majority of the season. They weren't without their shorts off, and they still did what they did. I feel like it's not really a letdown of a season, but uh, obviously not the outcome you want to, lo- to lose a World Series. So I guess that's how I kind of see it. I agree. I think that they had a lot of opportunity with 
what they did, especially in the postseason, like they had a lot of chances to mess up before they did. And well, they could one call. I think a couple calls by their coach kind of skewed what they did, and it wasn't the players messing up. And I feel like anybody would have made that decision, but I mean, I agree. Well, I mean, at a certain point, you have Garrett. I mean, you know, Garrett Cole in the bullpen. Once again, we talked about this with why we were not sitting here talking about a Tampa Bay Rays World Series. You got to put your best. You got to put your best foot forward to win a game. And like I get it, if Garrett Cole was in like a Steven Strasburg situation with Game Six where he is unavailable, he cannot pitch a baseball. It's going to hurt him. He's going to hurt himself, or he's not going to be as sharp. You say no. I get it. Don't throw him. But Garrett Cole is ready. You had him warm up in the bullpen already in the fifth inning. Yep. Obviously, you're not going to pull Zach Granke with the game he's throwing, so you're going to let him keep rolling. But you had Garrett Cole ready in the bullpen, yep. and you didn't use him. Like Tampa Bay, they didn't throw Charlie Morton. I get it. That was going to be a little bit of short rest. But if he can get you a good start and get you three, four innings, which is realistic out of what Charlie Morton could do, yep. that could have been in this, this entire series could have been different. different. We could have been talking about it's Rays. going Washington to Tampa and back for a World Series game. But we're not. They didn't do that. And kind of similar. It's a 2-1 game. Mm-hmm. Nobody on base. Zach Granke used to give him a home run. At that point, tip your hat. He needs to get get a new pitcher. Tip your hat. He threw his, he threw his butt off. He's at 96 pitches at that point, I believe. Get him out. Go Garrett Cole right there. It's not necessarily a true fresh inning. Yeah. Uh, I believe there was one out in the inning at that point when the home run was hit. Yeah, there wasn't many. It was either, either zero one. or one outs. Yeah. There's nobody on base. But that was a that's as, of the game. That's as fresh of an inning as you can get. For <laughs> that is a pretty, it's, I mean, as fresh of an inning as you can get. Because at the end of the day, that was a turning point in everything that happened. That was the World Series right there. That one inning where Zach Greinke crumbled. And then you had the bullpen come in, and it crumbled. I'm not going to say Zach Granke crumbled. He gave a, a one home, a solo home run, and then a single through the right side. But he like, and he, then you pulled him. You should have pulled him before that. Before single that, through the right before side. that, because he was crumbling, and he's not a guy who's known for his postseason performances. Because he's a guy who's known for his anxiety, like he was made fun of at New York, which is not right for people to make fun of him for that, but. He's not a guy who is known for the big moment. And you got to know, if you're a coach, you're like, he's going to crumble at some moment. And when this moment gets too big for him, I'm going to put it in a guy who's bigger than the moment. And I'm putting Garrett Cole in this game at this moment because he wants a World Series. He wants that ring. He wants to prove to everybody that he is the best pitcher out there. And also, like, he wants that money. He has a lot to prove. He is everything that you want out of a guy because, like, at the end of the day, you don't want a guy out there who has nothing. Like, Zach Greinke doesn't have much to prove. Like, he's going to be on the Astros again next year. He doesn't have much to, to prove to anybody. He's a good pitcher, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. But, I mean, Garrett Cole, he has offseason coming up. He wants a World Series ring. And, he, I mean, like, who doesn't want a World Series? I'm just going to say it. This is my personal opinion. You know what it could have been like, and he didn't do it? What? This could have been a Madison Bumgarner-esque postseason. I completely, I was thinking of that the whole time. And he he could have lived up to that. And I feel like he was mad at his coach for that. And that is the sole reason he's not going back to Houston. 
He posted a tweet today talking about Houston, like, thanking them for everything they've done. Almost as like he's saying goodbye. Like, I mean, I appreciate you. The one part that I pulled out of it was how he said, over my time in Houston, I've learned a little bit about pitching. And I feel like that kind of sparks a little bit more of a conversation down this road of saying, you know, does Houston have some special juices flowing down there? Is there something in the water? It Like, whatever that water is, is it data analysis? Is it technology? Is it the coaching staff? Is it something? Is there something going on down there? Like, the experience on the team. I don't think it's the experience on the team, but is there something going on down there? I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit of the experience on the team. Because you have guys Not like JV. But... Yeah, Justin Verlander, he's been there before. He's a hard thrower. Uh, my favorite part about him is you look at it, the the, the ramp up uh, method he uses, where I think he goes. He, he's saying he goes in the first two innings, he throws ninety percent. Next two innings, it's ninety five percent of his max effort, and then from the fifth inning on, he is max effort the entire time, which I thought was very interesting. He that's what his goal is before the game starts. Obviously, things get a little bit weird early. Maybe he starts going more more effort earlier, but. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting. He said that he likes to go. Uh, it's like a ramp up style, which I'm not sure if that really helps your arm. Like if that makes like your arm feel better or not. I'm not. I don't know if that's how that works, but uh, psychological impact. Well, also psych. Yeah, psychological of the pitcher. Could that be something too that they have? Like the psychology of their pitchers. Do they work with their pitchers' minds and help them succeed in big moments? Because it seems like they have something that is making their pitchers better. Like whether it's the fact of the pitches they're throwing at certain moments, whether they're telling like guys who come in like Justin, like, hey, I want you to throw your slider, your curveball, your fastball, your whatever more. Or are they just working on their minds saying like, you need to believe in yourself. We're going to give you a plan. And if you execute this plan, we're going to help you. And well, then they help them find their weaknesses. I think it's a little bit. I think it is very good game planning. So obviously every starting pitcher has their, their in-between start routine. So they... Most of them have a lift day. Most of them have a bullpen day, uh, flat ground day, which is the day before you start. Mm-hmm. Maybe a long toss day in there as well if you can work it in. If it's Probably short enough, and if you're a little bit something. older, if you're a little bit older, maybe you do a little bit less long toss because you just don't want to put that type of effort on your arm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of pitchers, they have a situation, and this is what they do. And there's always, and each day they have it where they have a meeting t- meeting time as well where they go over, hey, this is your next start. You're playing the Oakland Athletics in the Coliseum four days from now. Here's their hitters. We're going to go top three hitters they have. This is their starters who we think they're going to start against you. So maybe it might be Chapman, Mark Hanna, and Chris Davis. We think they're going to. We think those three hitters are going to be against you. Yep. Here's where here's where Canna's strong. Canna is a. Uh, I actually haven't done research. Maybe I think Canna is more of a fastball hitter though. Yeah. So we're going to give him more early curveballs, get him off balance, and then go fastball to try to beat him this way. And then we kind of work the way, and they work their way down the lineup, through everyone, through the top nine. Uh, you typically don't see them work on backup players who they don't think are going to start because if they do end up starting, you've seen it. That's when a lot of mound visits happen. They go out and go, hey, here's this guy's scouting report. He likes to pull the ball. Yeah. So try to keep the ball low and away. And that's where you see a lot of that. And I think there is something in Houston – where their, their scouting is just better than most teams. I think, 
personally. It's a little bit of that. I think that they have something else. They have a secret technology that, but like, honestly, like a technology, like, you know, like they work with driveline, they work with all these people and they get cutting edge results based off of it. So they're looking at pitch design, something that most teams really aren't looking at right now, thinking like, how can I get the most spin rate on a slider? And then if I have a most spin rate on a slider, maybe I should use that 36% of the time in the game. And if I use it 36% of the time, my ERA is going to be lower and I'm going to, you know, because I'm not going to allow as many runs. So that's going to help me and it's going to help the team, you know, and then if I throw a fastball in the inner third of the plate to certain batters, like, you know, like Mark Hanna, I don't know if that's a good example or whatever, but if you throw an inside fastball to this guy, 60% of the time he misses on the upper right hand part of whatever part of the plate. And you have like all these stats to say, if I do these things, I'm gonna succeed. And I think they're on the cutting edge of everything. So it seems like even their scouting is, like the way they make moves, they don't make moves just to make a move because their fan base feels like, oh, hey, we need we need Zach Grinky, you know, like he's the kind of a good pitcher. They knew they needed Zach Grinky because he showed it in game seven why they needed him. Yeah, they needed that third starter. And they were like, if we get this third starter, we're going to the World Series. Hands down. If we get this third starter, they are going to be in a good spot to put themselves in a chance to win a World Series, which they did. They put them, they gave themselves a shot to win that game. They were leading through the first six innings of that game. Yep. They gave themselves a very good job, and it's a lot of scouting. Also, Derek Cole's spin rate, like you mentioned, it increased by, I think it was like 200 uh, once he moved to pitch design, man, like for like a slider, I think his slider increased by like two hundred uh, revolutions. It's big brain stuff that people aren't thinking about. The other teams that aren't successful right now will be thinking about in twenty years, and then the Astros will be thinking about the next. Big I don't game. think it'll be taking twenty years to catch up, but <laughs> I think certain teams, yeah, like the Pirates. <laughs> we will talk about the Tigers. Yeah. The Pirates know nothing. The, pir- the Pirates are scum. The Tigers who squandered all their talent. You saw what, Annabelle, you saw what, you saw what happened with Pittsburgh and the whole Cincinnati situation. Oh, my God. That was horrible. The fights. <laughs> and then, That was a little bit of Cincinnati scum. Yeah. <laughs> They're both then, scum. But, I mean, like the Tigers. Think about the Tigers starting location. Where they had they had J.D. Scherzer. Price. They had <laughs> Annabelle. And they had Scherzer. And then... I don't remember who the fifth was. It was somebody good too. But like, still, they had they all those guys. Uh, Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also, so we might as well hop over to the World Series champion side of things and talk about them for the rest of this episode because they're the ones who won the World Series. And yeah, we, we talked enough about how but still, Houston like, works. I have a question about them. So I saw an article saying that they were researching and then they actually implemented like sleep studies for all their like players. They said that if their players fall asleep at this time and then like whatever time they needed to be at the game tomorrow, so say they have a game at like three tomorrow and they were like, oh, you have a game at three tomorrow. You can be there at like 11 o'clock. Yeah, you can be there at 11 o'clock. So everybody on the team has to fall asleep at nine. And then there was also one moment in the World Series where they were in Houston and they had to fly back. And the sleep specialist said, no, 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 no. You guys need to sleep here tonight because you're going to get more sleep here. And then take the plane ride back whenever everybody wakes up in the morning at like 9 o'clock. So you'll fall asleep at 11. 
wake up at nine, and then at ten you're taking a you're taking a plane trip to DC. So, I mean, honestly, do you think teams are gonna start like going into that? Like, they're gonna start controlling players' lives, being like, you need to sleep at this time, and then you, I mean, like, does it where does it stop? Do you be like, oh, you need to eat this food? I don't want you to do this thing. I don't want you to run this much. I don't want you to. To sit drink. down for this much. I don't want you to drink for like drink alcohol. I don't want you to eat these certain kinds of food. I don't want you to do these certain activities. I want you to read these kinds of things. Like, where does it stop? Ah, uh, I think it stops in sleep. I Is think because uh, I guess not really. I think it stops in like the food and the food and uh, alcohol con- like consumption as well. I think those are the three things you can legitimately control for a player and not be like crossing lines. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can't go, hey, Juan Soto, I want you to read a book um, about American history. <laughs> he's not going to want to do it. And if it makes him a better player, I'm for it. I am for it, too, but I'm pretty much sure he's not going to, like, hey, here, here's a, here's a documentary about what happened in World War II for the, the nation of Czechoslovakia. And this is what this is the only thing you're allowed to watch for this week. I don't think you can legitimately ask a player to do that because you're just gonna piss a lot of people off doing that. So but I do think to a certain point you can control what they eat. Obviously you see it. The Colorado Rockies post this. I thought this was really cool. They post out every in flight uh, in season flight and they post a list of their, their menu options. Mm-hmm. And you can see they all have there's like I think there was like three options for food. Uh, there's like drink options were like Gatorade, water. I think there was soda on there too. I think there was like Coke, but oh, um, not that type of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> all right. But like you can somewhat control what your players put into their bodies. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's always like, they we even do that in college. Our coach tells us. These are the things I want you to eat. Now, do I, does everyone participate in that? No. No. But they are suggestions. And when you're at the major league level and they're paying you money to play and they're paying you, you money should. to be successful and they tell you, you eat this, you eat that. You eat that's how else. I kind of look at it. Yeah. So, anyway, I kind of go down the path of saying there's going to be more control over players in the future. I think that for a fact, sleep studies are really good, and I think that getting the right amount of sleep is beneficial towards a player. Because if you look at what they're doing, and you say, hey, look, I need you to be able to go ahead and play, and I need you to be at your fullest potential. Sleep is really important in humans, and a lot of people deprive it. I mean, I deprive my own sleep myself. I just can't control myself whenever I sleep sometimes. I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna get six hours of sleep tonight. But as a major league athlete, you have no reason to get six hours of sleep. You should be getting at least nine hours of sleep every single night saying, like, I'm doing this for my team. And then I think it's also going to go into the food. And then I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into, like, reading aspects. We're saying, like, certain players need to read certain books. But, like, you're not going to ask a guy like Juan Soto because he's not going to do it. And he's good enough. It doesn't matter. But I'm saying, like, some guys, I mean, he might do it. You never know what he wants to read, but I mean, you can't like force someone to do it. No, but I'm still saying like, maybe you tell somebody like, hey, listen, I think that you don't succeed in a big moment and I want you to read this book 
because it helped me succeed in big moments as like a coach, as a player, as a general manager, or something. And I think that would be beneficial towards players, but I think that's where it's I honestly think that stuff already happens, though. I, mean, I think so, too, yeah. I mean, you sit down, like, even you, me, or one of our friends from back home, Jack. Yeah. Me and, me and Jack, the past couple of weeks, have been working on pitching stuff. And we sit there and we watch. We go on. We'll go on Twitter and we'll look up. I don't know. Rob Friedman is a big one I like to watch. Stop. And he just shows you, like, hey, like, if you are looking at from behind, um, if you sit down and you're hit more, you can watch your your knee on your back leg might go over your knee, over your toe a little bit, which means that you're losing power in your quad. You're more quad dominant, yep. actually. And then if you can actually find a way to get them to like sit back, it helps with their velocity, as Logan is doing it right now. I, yeah, I was displaying it right now. Nobody can see that, but, <laughs> but I was uh, And then there was other stuff like if you can drive more straight to the plate, if you can hold your hip, if you can hold your upper body back longer, that stuff happens in every single major league clubhouse around America. It happens yep. in every college clubhouse in America. Yep. It doesn't happen in a lot of high school clubhouses in America. No, no, not at all. But uh, if you go to just about any clubhouse like minor leagues, every coach watches videos every single day to try to help their players get better. They're going to figure it out. Uh, and it, it's really a big part of the game as we see it now. And that's, that's something I don't think a lot of people realize is uh, there's a ton of stuff out there that MLB players watch that normal people watch yeah. that really help them sometimes uh, change the way they pitch. Like, I mean, if you're a number five starter on the Cincinnati Reds, yeah. maybe you're just coming up out of the minor league system, you oh, yeah. probably watched Max Scherzer's pitching videos from behind and from yeah. the side. You've probably watched Steven Strasburg. You've probably watched Verlander and all these guys. And you find someone that relates to the way you're going to pitch. And you, and, you, and you almost imitate that to the yeah. point where you can. And it, it helps you be a better pitcher. Yeah, and you kind of create your own pattern along there. And I think that's something that goes underrated for a lot of players, how they get to the point they are. People see them as... The star. Like, people see Max Scherzer as the dominant ace of the Nationals. But at the end of the day, he had a lot of work before then. And we don't know what he put in. We don't know who he watched. He could have watched Nolan Ryan. He could have watched Sandy Koufax. He could have watched, you know, countless people. Mark Pryor. Mark Pryor. He could have watched Kerry Wood. He could have watched so many different pitchers. And then he's like, I want to do what he's doing. I think that what he's doing with his fastball is cool. I think what he's doing with his curveball is kind of cool. I think that I could kind of do this, and I could do it better. I think I know what he's doing, and I could be better than him. I think that's something that goes you know, pretty much unsaid in a lot of times. Um, and then kind of going forward here, too, what do you think about Bryce Harper and his correct prediction of bringing a World Series back? Yeah, Bryce Harper is definitely a freaking time traveler. He's, he's definitely a time traveler. There's not a shot. He went to the future, probably with Matt Gronick, like we said last time. Yeah. And he told him that, hey, if you go to Philadelphia, sign a multi-year contract, Washington Nationals is going to win a World Series this year. 
That's probably why he didn't sign with the Chicago Cubs, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, he, his buddy's in Chicago. Unless, all of a sudden, now Chris Bryant's maybe going to Philadelphia now, too. Could be. But I, I mean, like, that's just a, That's just another theory, but... I feel like he knows something that we don't. Maybe he's Doctor Strange, and he's like, you know, there's a 1% possibility that I win a World Series my whole entire career. And it's not with the Nationals. And he's like, I'm going to Philadelphia, because in maybe, like, three years they win a World Series... But, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, I don't think the Nationals would have won it with him at all. With him, no. Adam Eaton, they won it with Adam Eaton because Adam Eaton was a stud during some of the key moments in the World Series. But with Bryce Harper, absolutely not. And I think that, you know, maybe his time will come. Maybe it won't. But if I was him, I would be sad as hell that I did not get to be part of this World Series. Because all of your buddies got to be there. You know, like Juan Soto, you know, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, guys who you played with your whole entire career. They got to enjoy the moment that you've been working for your whole entire life, and you miss out on it because you went to your competitor in the own division. Yeah, that was kind of a low blow, but I mean, hey, you know what? He knew it was coming. He even said it. Maybe he's Dr. Strange. We I'm want, saying that. We want to take, we want to bring a, a title back. To DC. Who is this we exactly though? Exactly what he said. Who is this we he's talking about? But possibly he's included in that we. The Nationals and him. He might be included. We don't know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is all just theoretical. But I just I want mean, to know who that we is. He never explained it. We we talked about this before the World Series happened. We told them that it was gonna happen because Bryce Harper predicted it. And then all of a sudden, bam. Bryce Harper freaking predicted it. <laughs> If we knew the Nationals were going to win the World Series because of him, and he's a time traveler, does that make us kind of time travelers with him? We're not time travelers. We have not been to the future. I can't confirm or deny whether I've been to the future or not. What are the next topic? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can jump up to the next topic, but, no, but Logan has not been to the future either. <laughs> that is the next topic. Uh, we're going to talk about the MVP, Steven Strasburg. Uh, this is really just kind of a, a staple of his this is this is just the big this big is the time performance drafted for. He's actually the first number one overall draft pick to win MVP of a World Series. This is what he was drafted for. There's been a lot. There was two firsts in this World Series. Number one, first, Rhodes. first. Well, yeah, that's I was counting as number two, but the <laughs> first MVP that was the number one overall draft pick. It's never happened before, which is kind of surprising because outside of I believe it's 1994, there've been a World Series since every year since 1908. Yeah. And number two, there has never been a series where the road team has won every single game. And that's not just including baseball. That has never happened in basketball or hockey either. It's the only only other two major sports that have a seven-game series. But that has never happened for in any major American sports. I don't think it's probably world sports. Mm. I would venture world sports. He's groundbreaking with what he did. And then to think too that the Nationals, like they were ten games under five hundred, I believe at one point, they were bad. They were bad, bad. Like everybody wrote them off, saying like, "Oh, they should have signed Bryce or Bryce should come back." I think it was even worse than that. I think they were like sixteen and thirty-two at one point. They were really bad. They it was were bad. Horrible. They looked like they had given up. They looked like a little league. This team. was this was about two months into the season. Yeah, yeah, right. And then Luckily. all of a sudden they go on a tear. They have the. They they are one game back of Houston and the Los Angeles Dodgers 
in record from that point to the end of the season. That's unbelievable. Man. And they beat the Dodgers. They, then they, they go in. swept the floor with the Cardinals, and I was part of those two games. They were <laughs> in St. Louis, and I tell you what, those teams, like, they looked like they were on a mission to destroy everything the Cardinals tried to do. Like, oh, they did. They like, messed up the Cardinals' plans pretty easily. The Cardinals' pitching was phenomenal. Like, it was really, really good for the first two games, and they were in those games the whole entire time, but the hitting just, it wasn't there. No. It seemed like their pitchers knew exactly what the Cardinals hitters were going to do, and they're like, yep, X, 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 delete, 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 all gone. Everything they did, vanished. Bye-bye. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, but going back to Strasburg, he has just been – I don't think he's lost a postseason game in his career. No. And also another fact I want to mention, in games started by Strasburg and Scher- or Scherzer during the, World, during the World Series, during the entire postseason – the Nationals were undefeated. I think they were 10 or 11 and 0 in games those two started. It helps with the 4 0 against the Cardinals. But, yeah. Well, that's only two games. It helps. Or was it three games? Two. Did Strasburg start game. Who started game four for them? Mm-hmm. Was it Patrick? It was Corbin. Yeah. So that. And he almost was, messed it up a little bit, but it was still good. Yeah, but like, think about it. That, that only counted for two games. They also found a way to win a bunch more in other spots. Like, you go wild card game. And this does not mean that their record, the two of their guys' record, is 11-0 and 0 in yeah. the postseason. They were – the O part is correct, but these were just games they started. Obviously, Max Scherzer did not yeah. – was not the winning pitcher for game seven. Nope. He uh, – Kept him in the game. I don't think he was the winning pitcher of the, his first start two, game two. Uh, game one and two, I don't think Scherzer and Strasburg won. I mean, Let's I look it up. I don't believe they did. I think the bullpen technically got those wins. Yep. No, they didn't. Nope. Scherzer got both. Scherzer got one game one, yeah, and Strasburg got the win two. game two. Yep. They both did. They both won it. So Confirmed. that one affects it with that way, but uh, it's still unheard of. You don't typically hear of two guys being that dominant for one team. That's true. And um, the other side of things. Let's talk about Justin Verlander. I don't think Justin Verlander has won a World Series game yet. He's not good in the limelight. He's kind of like Clayton Kershaw. Well, well. to be fair, Verlander before the World Series was good. good. And then all of a sudden he gets the World Series, I believe he's 0-8. Yep. So, I don't know what's there with that, but he needs to figure that out. Because he's going to be in these situations again. Houston's a good team. There's a very high chance they find a way to get back to the World Series again. And he, he needs to figure it out because he can't be going – he can't be losing two games. I don't care that you're facing Strasburg. Look at the scores of these games. That cannot happen. Twelve runs in the first game he started. Seven runs against his team in the second game. Now, not all those run him, but you got to fight to get longer in the game then. If, if you're going to have a team that's going to score seven runs off your off your bullpen, yeah. you got to get deeper in the game. you got to give your bullpen a chance. And, and you got Roberto Zun out there. He can't go more than an no. inning or two solid. Yeah, no. So, kind of along with that, if you're Justin Verlander, how do you get better and realize you suck in the World Series? So when the moment comes down to it, you're just awful. What would you have to say? I'm not sure, to be honest. Because uh, he's kind of too, he's too old to the point where he's kind of be set in his ways. He's got to find a way. 
Uh, this is a hockey movie. I know it. It's Goons too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I loved one of the quotes. There's either one or two things you can do. You can either go extinct or evolve. Sure. And he was talking about that because they're all older now. It's 10 years in the future. Mm-hmm. They're all in their 30s, which for hockey is unbelievable oh. to be playing. It's it's hard. And now all of a sudden, like, all the major league players are coming down to play with them from the NHL. And that's kind of the, that's kind of at the point where most of these guys are at. Garrett Cole's not there yet. He'll be there in two or three years. He's going to he's gonna have to evolve. Yep. Verlander has to evolve. You saw Scherzer evolve. Scherzer was better this year than he's been in the past. He was going to his off-speed more. Which is big for him. He was using his change of more than he's ever used in his career. Uh, Strasburg just kind of... You saw Strasburg had to adapt earlier. He had to adapt when he was actually not really that old. Uh, you saw his change. The biggest change and the biggest help in his career was he used to be a wind-up guy. Yep. And then he went to stretch only, and it helped him. The other guy that I noticed did that, um, he's in the bullpen for Cleveland now. He was a starter for, for St. Louis, I believe. It's his name. He was a really good starter, and then he would just fall apart all the time. I don't remember his name, but there's a guy in the he's in the he was in the Cleveland bullpen during that. Uh, he was a big piece of the Cleveland bullpen during the 2016 World Series. But guys like that sometimes Miller? have to adjust. Not Miller. No, it was a righty. We can go ahead and look that up real quick, but like you have to. Some people are gonna and Verlander is gonna have to adapt. Yeah, you kind of have to adapt and build yourself into that moment. I think, though, like, your best players in the limelight are usually the guys who you don't expect. I know we said this on our Twitter page that, like, David Freeze. Like, who would have ever expected in 2011, game on the line, you have David Freeze the plate, two strikes, two outs. All you need is to get one ball past him. And the Rangers won the World Series. And he had a home run. Well, he had a triple. And he had a triple. He had a home run in extras. You're in right. extras, yes. And Nelson Cruz, who was the stud of the Rangers World Series run, messed up. And you had David Freeze, a lowly nobody that anybody really, like most average baseball fans wouldn't have been like, oh, David Freeze. Now they would. But, like, back then... They he's still alive. He's still playing in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. He is, but not many people would have been, like, back in 2011, like, oh, yeah, David Freeze. Like, yeah. He's, he's a third baseman for the Cardinals. They would have been, like, David Freeze? I mean, like, I don't know. He's part of a deal. I think it was Jim Edmonds. We sent him out to yeah. the Padres. And he was just, like, a, a lowly nobody who got his moment. He had his couple years, and he was a stud for a couple years. And he had that moment when, in the World Series, that he'll never be forgotten for. I mean, he got a freaking commercial deal in St. Louis because of it with a pizza <laughs> company just because of that. Well, the other guy that I want to mention uh, that kind of was going along the lines is he, he was a more well-known guy. He's actually the current manager of the Chicago Cubs now. But David Ross in 2016 was instrumental in that final win. He came he off the bench he was. and hit a home run in Game 7. Yep. A tying home run. After a roll, this Chapman blew the lead in the bottom half, or in the top, or the bottom half of the inning before. Yep. And you, David Ross, obviously everyone knew who David Ross was. Grandpa Rossi, everyone loves him. But you don't expect a lot out of him at the plate. 
He was there because he is a smart baseball player, and this is the same reason. It's the same reason why he's a, uh, a, a manager now. He's smart, baseball smart. He was John Lester's personal catcher for John Lester's entire career, outside of about ten starts when he got traded to Oakland after the trade deadline. Uh, and he works well in the clubhouse. Yep, that's all he was known for. He wasn't known for being the guy that gets the big hit. He wasn't known for being the the spark plug of your of your team. That's true. And then all of a sudden, that they were back against the wall, top of the ninth, and he hit the ball out of the park to tie it up. I think the huge the big moment finds a guy who you don't think is going to find. Well, yeah, like today, like like let's go back to Washington this year. Uh, we kind of jump right into our next section with the heroes. Howie Kendrick. Howie Kendrick. Guys, we we'll start with. He was the hero twice for Washington. He did it twice for them. He had a grand slam to essentially walk it off against Los Angeles. They buried them right there. That Good. grand slam buried that Dodgers team. That's where they yep. lost it. It didn't matter that there was not a half inning of baseball to play. That pitch and that hit ended that game effectively against Joe Kelly. And you go here. Once again, buried. That his next home run, which was a it was a two run shot down the line, hit off the foul pole, which was just and also I'm gonna say that was a great pitch. The hitter just won. Yep. The hitter won that at bat. That that's not on uh was it Smith? I do not remember. I think it was Smith. I don't watch much of that series. He would be the series. losing pitcher. Will Harris. Will Harris. Harris. Oh, yeah. It was Will Harris, but he was the losing pitcher. Yeah. I thought it was Joe Smith, I was, but he came in later. I don't watch much of the end. But. I was daydreaming about my Cardinals. <laughs> I was like, what if? Yeah, but <laughs> that, that was a very good pitch from Will Harris. And just sometimes the hitter gets the better of it. And that's what ended up happening in that game. And he was just kind of a big Factor in the world in the entire entire series, entire playoffs, he was a big piece. And honestly, without him in their team, we could be sitting here talking about a different situation right now. He was a big key cog in that them winning the World Series this year. I agree, and I just think I just love how certain moments find certain players. You just can't get over that. I just can't get over that fact that I just. It just finds somebody. And that somebody is just... It just blows up into something more that you can never really imagine it being. And also like that moment too with Trey Turner. Kind of going on to a next subject. I don't know if you saw the Twitter video. Oh, the post-game interview when he's like... He seems a little bit drunk and he's wearing like the NC State hat. And he goes, here's my left thumb. Here's my left hand. And he goes, and here's my right one. <laughs> he can't even like curl his finger down. And he's still playing. <laughs> yeah. There's also the video of the National. I think they posted. And it was um, a Queen song. And there was, like, one thing that was, like, we've made our mistakes. Or, like, we had a few bad calls. And it was a video <laughs> of Turner running down the line. And getting running smoked. Into <laughs> smoking girly yells glove. And what do you think about that play? That was horrible. I, I agree. That was horrible. What do you want him to do? Not run to first base? My favorite one was Kyle Schwarber's post on Twitter where he goes, 
We're going back to Little League softball. We're going to have the orange base next on, on in foul territory, and oh, that's man. the one that the, the batter has to run to. Because, yes. like, um, I thought I saw another one. It was a cool – it was like it was like a drawing. Yeah. And they drew – because the rule is you have to be in foul territory for 45 feet. Yep. And they drew – so here's the path for a righty. You have to basically dead sprint to the foul line and then sprint up to have any opportunity to actually be in foul territory for 45 feet. Yeah. It's too hard. And it's the dumbest rule. It was it was written, I don't know, long, long time ago. I think it was written in like the 30s. Yeah. Because it wasn't there from the start of baseball. But it was written a very long time ago. And that's just ridiculous. Like, you can't ask that of a player. No. Because you're trying to get them to get out of the way of something that's not really their job to get out of the way of. Their job is to get to first base as quickly yes. as they can. And he did. Because in this league, there are guys, like you saw, Correa has a cannon. Bregman oh, has man. a cannon. Altuve only has to get the ball about 45 feet, and he could probably throw that thing about 90 miles per hour over there. Yeah. Like, it's not fair to ask them to do this. But I get that's what the rules state, but that needs to be changed. I do agree. And there was a segment on the MLB Network, and they were talking about, like, what do you really want from him? Going to first base. As a right-handed batter, your first steps out of the box are on the grass. Pretty much. And most people don't realize that, especially umpires, that your first steps are in the grass. You're not going to be in the line, and expecting a right-handed batter to be in the line is kind of unacceptable because they're not going to do that. I mean, whenever I was a left-handed batter, and I had it easy because I could just run down the line and it would be cool. Like, I never had to worry about that issue. I never even thought about that issue before. And there was a few games where I've had that called in, especially in, like, summer ball, where somebody, like, a right-handed batter, and they obviously were in the grass, trying to cut off, like, a catcher or something from being able to throw to first base on the inside corner. Because they'll hear the catcher audibly say, inside, inside, and he'll be like, okay, I'm going to run the inside part of the baseline, I'm going to make it hit me. But I don't feel like that happened in that moment. If it was a catcher, different story. But this was Bregman throwing the ball. Yeah, if it was a catcher, that's a different story. Or no, was it the pitcher? Pitcher. Was yeah. it uh, Granky? No, it, no was, it was. That would have been Cole. No, well, it was like, I think it was Harris, I think. It was one was of them. Was that a bullpen guy? No, Peacock. I didn't get to watch the end It was of Peacock. Game. I didn't get to watch this play. I watched the video replay later. It was Peacock. And in that moment, what do you really expect from him doing that? Because he's not going to audibly hear a pitcher say, a pitcher's not going to say inside, inside, no, outside. pitcher's going to throw the ball. He's just going to chuck that ball to that base because he's like, I have to get this out, otherwise I'm going to be canned. So he knew he had to get that out. and But like the only time I feel like that's acceptable is if it's like a bunt straight to the catcher. You hear the catcher audibly say inside or outside, and you run according to what he says. Well, I mean, even then, you'll be able to, like, oh, they, went, they went to replay for it. If you're in they didn't, replay, they, they should have gone to replay for they, it. They couldn't. That's a, um, a judgment call, so judgment calls cannot. They were in review because the manager, Dave Martinez, said, we're playing this game in protest if you do not change that call. Is that what happened? And they had a call. I think it was New York, right? And they had to call them and say, hey, listen, they're wanting to protest the game. What do we do? And they had no idea, and uh, they were reading through the books. They were like, uh, <laughs> we don't know what they do in a World Series. Crap, like, what do we do? So that's why it took so long, and MLB, being the great source of information it is, didn't say anything. 
they were just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. They were just, like, playing it off. And, like, the announcers even thought that it was a review. And you can't review that play. That play is non-reviewable. So they had to go ahead and call them because you heard even in the dugout, um, whenever it was during the re- the review of the protest, Trey Turner was looking at um, Joe Torrey. And he was like, even he knows that's a bull call. I think he knows that. Look at his head's down right now. Like, he knows that. He knows that's an awful call. He's like, we're going to protest this game. We're going to protest this game. Nonstop. And, and they still won. Yeah, they still won. I think the ball don't lie. Ball does not lie. Rendon went yard the next two, like two or three pitches later. But almost. to have an almost protest in the World Series, I think that's something that most people don't really think about. They're like, oh yeah, you know, like they were just reviewing the call, like even like you thought, like. But no, they were actually willing to protest the game, and they were willing to not do that, and they were actually not allowed to protest the game. And if they do protest the game, they forfeit. I think there was some rule like that. That it would be, they would lose the game if they protest. I'm sure Houston would have loved that looking back on it now. That would have been, <laughs> would have been a World Series victory for them. It would have been like, absolutely. I mean, this kind of brings up the next section we're going to talk about. Uh, robot umpires. What is your opinion on it? Because also, you saw it in Game 7. Zimmerman, there was a pitch. Oh, where, buddy. Where, who was catching that game? Was it Torino's, I believe? Torino's uh, is set up. It was Torino's. It was either Torino's. I think it was Gomes. No, it was Trinos because it was against Zimmerman batting. Oh, was, yeah, Gomes was. Gomes was for the other team. Nationals, you're my bad. But um, he set up a way. Yep. And then, uh, I think it was Granky pitching at this point still. Missed the pitch. He missed it entirely. And and Trinos is set up on the outer half of the plate. And then all of a sudden, jumps and just reaches his glove out and just snags it and ends up behind Zimmerman. Like he slid, and his his entire his center of his chest is behind Ryan Zimmerman, standing in the right-handed batter's box. For a strike. That should never be called a strike. And then the next pitch after that was four inches off the plate for a strike. And you watch Zimmerman go. The, like he looks at his his teammates and yeah. he looks back at them and he goes, "It's some bullshit." <laughs> like didn't was I think it was uh, Joe Buck who was saying that Grinky had a relationship with the umpire's brother? Did he? I think so. I think there was I something like that, that going on. I don't know if that played into a factor. I don't listen to Joe Buck very often. He's a better commentator now than he was before. He understands that he sucks. But he's getting better. That's all that matters. But robot umpires, what do I think? I think behind home plate, you never should have a robot. I hate that, it. I think that's a stupid idea. I think that that changes baseball too much. Now... For plays at first, second, and third? You can't really do a robot umpire for those, though, either. What are no, you going to no, no, do? No. Are you going to put a sensor in the base? Oh, you're getting me fired up here. Okay, so I think you should have somebody in New York for every single game. You have one umpire for every single game, and he is the base's umpire. And you have a guy, you've got, you have two guys for the foul lines. You know, that's, that's easy stuff. Um, but Not as to, easy as you would think. It's kindergarten stuff for them. Like, it's like, oh, that ball's fair, that ball's foul. Easy. But you have a guy who is specifically watching every single play in New York live saying every single base, and they have a camera specifically on every base, make sure they get every single one of those plays correct. And they say out or safe. It goes, translates to the umpire in left field. Umpire in left field says out or safe. Okay. I think that's fine. I think behind home plate, we don't change. I think that, like, you know, left field and right field, we should obviously have guys out there. So we have an umpire team of three. Instead of the, like, five we have right now. So we don't need all those other guys. 
Okay. Because, like, the base, the well, base calls. I think that the one behind the plate, you've seen it in the minor league system already. It's not effective. No. You've seen the ones because there are pitches, yes, it crosses the zone as a strike. Yeah. But it's making the catcher look like an idiot. That pitch, the catcher is lunging out and, like, dropping the glove into the dirt. He's just trying to corral it, basically. Or he yeah. goes down to block it. There have yeah. been, been instances where their curveballs have enough depth after it's a plate for it to be in the zone. Yeah. But if a catcher is blocking a ball, that's not a strike. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I get that it did cross the plate at the right height, but... If the catcher has to go down to block a baseball, it should never be called a strike. If the True. catcher has to lunge out and ends up behind the hitter, it should never be called a strike. Yeah, true. I completely agree with that because why would... Why are we rewarding them for not making a good pitch? Yeah, I do agree. And I think that sometimes, like, yeah, a pitch might be, like, right on the outside, but... If your catcher was inside and he like leaned all the way outside to get that pitch, shouldn't be a strike. Your pitcher missed. He did not execute properly, and he made your catcher look like an idiot. So he shouldn't be rewarded. I mean, as a pitcher, I love it. <laughs> but I've been there. I've as done a that. Baseball fan, I think it's stupid. I don't yeah. think it should be a strike. Yeah, no. I mean, as an inaccurate pitcher at times, I I love it because like there was moments where. I'd be throwing inside, and I would miss high and out, like low and inside. I'd be throwing high and outside just because I didn't want to hit my spot, I guess. I don't know. I tried to hit my spot, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and those moments happen, and, I mean, as a pitcher, I feel crappy about that call because I'm like, I didn't earn a, that. That's a bull. I didn't earn that. I've had that before my, in my only, I've only had if they swing. Only if they swing. Like, if they swing, cool, like. Yeah, but like I felt bad. I've thrown a pitch and I've gone. I've I've had it both ways. I've thrown a pitch and been like, that should have been a freaking strike. Welcome back to the mound. And I've had a pitch where I threw it a foot off the plate for a strike, and he calls it a strike. I go, that was a horrible call. (laughs) True. (laughs) And I've had both sides of it. Uh, But yeah, I think robot up. I don't like the uh, robot umpires. I prefer to be people. I I kind of like your saying with the. the the New York guy for the faces. That's kind of an interesting concept. I don't mind that one, but I would not want it to be all electronic. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll ever be all electronic because I think that would be kind of redundant. And yeah. it would take away the lore and the fun of the game. Because you look at it, how would you argue with a computer? You can't. The computer would be like, beep, boop, bop, beep. No, you're not going to get the date, the... Davey getting kicked out of game six. Oh, Davey will get kicked out once. One <laughs> Davey will be like, fuh, and he'll be like, gone. <laughs> Bee-boo-bop, bee-boo-bop, abort, abort mission, you're gone. No, you'll definitely be gone. It would be very interesting to see, though. And uh, I just feel like it's not logical to have a robot on fire. Yeah, no, 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 completely. Because, I mean, like, think about it at the end of the day, like, a robot doing, like, all of your stuff. For you in the game, you're gonna have a guy by like, how would you do that behind the plate? You're gonna have that like as just nobody behind the plate. Who's gonna give the catcher balls? Nobody really even thinks about that fact because in a game they run through probably about like 200 baseballs in a matter of a game because each pitcher throws about like 100 pitches. And on top of that, they're probably throwing more than that. So every single game they run through over 200 balls. 
Who's going to give the catcher a baseball when they hit a foul ball? I'm angered. No, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be the a little machine. Boy. No, it's going to be a machine. That like, machine. That like, goes like, behind like where like they have the advertisements. And every time there's a foul ball, it's just going to go open up and just freaking launch it all the way to the pitcher. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Well, they have a radar gun. On this bad machine behind home plate. Just oh, yeah, the radar gun's it's gonna be reading a lot of hundreds. <laughs> just, a, just a bullet right at the pitcher's Should we head. call that radar gun a roll to Chapman? Circa 2015. <laughs> sure, I mean, I've seen a roll. I've also been at a game in, in Wrigley where I've seen Chapman throw a ball through the, through the screen. Yeah. He hit the chair in the first row. Sitting, a guy was sitting next to the chair, probably. Probably crapped his pants after a little bit, if I'm being honest. And then all of a sudden, he picked the ball and acted like it was no big deal. I'm like, dude, you know you were scared. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, you want to talk about what we're going to do over the next couple weeks for the offseason? Uh, I have one more question before that. Ooh. I think, where do we stop with technology in baseball? Where's the line in the sand that says, this is a moment we stop? I think it stops in the white lines. Okay. So I don't think, think in the umpires. Yes. Okay. I don't think. Well, maybe not umpires. Maybe not field umpires. I think we had the plate. We don't bring it in. But uh, first, second, third. Yes, we can use technology for umpires. But I don't want technology like you saw the whole Apple Watch fiasco with Boston. Yeah. That cannot happen. No. You can't be able to pick up calls and relay it to your player that's in the field. Batter's box, I'm including it in the white lines because technically it is. But I don't think technology should be allowed on the field of play. I think yeah. if you're Justin Verlander, you have a horrible inning. You come in, you pick up a tablet, you watch your, your motion. You figure out there's anything wrong. You yeah. watch what the hitters are doing based yeah. on what pitch you're throwing. Stuff like that, acceptable. I don't want it to be where a pitcher's getting rocked out there in the, in the first inning of his start. All of a sudden, he pulls out, like, a phone and, like, watches the video and goes, oh, that's why I need to change. Puts it back and keeps pitching. I don't want it on the field. I don't want people relaying it to on the field. If you're going to do that, you got to waste some out visit. you got to come out and talk to them. You can't be screaming at them and go, hey, front leg. You know what I think? I think that there should be a line of communication between the pitcher and the catcher. I think that would be kind of cool. Just to be like, hey, like, you look at your wrist, you're like, fastball, cool. Or like something on your glove. You look in the inside of your glove and it says, fastball. Cool. Like, What do you mean by that? I don't know. Like in the future, like you have like a screen inside your glove or something. No. Or like on your wrist or like right here that says, no. Catch, but, the, catcher, the catcher presses a button. He's like one, two, three, or four, or five. Or like pickoff. And you're like, he's like one. And you're like fastball. And you could be like, no. Well, and, that, that brings up the dilemma because that would be like an, like an Apple Watch. You could do I think that, that with would, Apple Watch. I think that would even deter people at second base saying like oh like but that's part of the game but that would ruin like some people were so like, upset about the sign stealing I have no problem with stealing signs I don't either that way with, when the guy on second base can do it so like if Alex Bregman is relaying to Jose Altuve hey, he has a fist down he's, he's got like fist basketball down. If, if he picks up the signs he tells his coach the coach gives a number back gives a sign to Altuve that means got signs so now Altuve knows, Bregman knows that we have the signs. But the pitchers don't know, the pitcher and catcher don't know. And obviously it's going to be a little thing. Like if Bregman 
literally, it can be something as simple as Bregman sees a sign. If he takes off his helmet, it's a fastball, and he puts it back on. That's a fastball. Hold his he, belt. That can be a changeup. He grabs his belt. Can be a changeup. And fist down can be a curveball, slider, an off-speed like something as simple as that. I have no problem with. Now, what Boston did, you saw the whole situation where they had a guy with binoculars viewing in on the signs and trying to figure it out. And when he did, he would relay it, and there was an Apple Watch in the dugout that was getting messages from him on what sign it was. Yeah. That is horrible. That's that's an abuse of, of technology, and that should not be allowed in the game. But I definitely think that at some point, technology is going to be helpful. Obviously, you've seen it. You saw in the sixth inning or seventh inning, whenever, yeah. whenever Harris came in, you saw Adam Eaton sitting there in the dugout watching, just watching video, just sitting there, just watching video, <laughs> slowing it down. That I'm okay with. Even, I love that. Even Strasburg saying that he knew he was tipping pitches in his first inning. His pitching coach was able to see it, and then he was able to look on our technology and say, oh, yeah, he really is tipping his curveball right here because, like, always oh, digging in or whatever you do for certain moments. That is great. And when did the pitching coach make the change? After the first inning. In between innings. Yeah. In between his innings of work. Yeah. He didn't go – he didn't send him a text and say, hey, Steve, you're tipping everything. Yeah. In the middle of the first inning, and Strasburg didn't look at like his like wrist and go, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. He got out of the first inning, come back in, you make an adjustment based on a video. But yep. it's not like you're just using the video the entire time, and that's kind of where I get with that, is I think it should be in the dugouts. I think that even like first base, the third base coach should have a connection to the first base guy on first base and just highlight a sign and say, hey, I want you to steal here. Cool. It's going to happen. Like, you just have, like, a wristband. Like, some people have numbers. Like, in college, we had numbers on our wristbands. And it would say, like, 033. Yeah, but I never like, got one. I mean, I got one because I was a little bit cool my freshman year. But you have, like, a number. And it'll say, like, 033, and that's a hit and run. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to go hit and run right now. But, like, instead of a coach being, like, 033, you could just be, like, type, 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 type. And... The hitter will be like, ah, oh, hit and run. The guy at first will be like, ah, oh, hit and run. So at least less missed signs. And that'll make everybody way happier. And I think that's something like that goes underrated that most people really don't think about. No, so, I definitely agree. I think it is a very underrated uh, aspect of the game is being able to relay signs. And it's always been a problem for most teams trying to figure it out. So uh, we'll definitely have to look into that from that aspect of baseball as well. But... I mean, like we can I don't talk know about. What to say sometimes I just kind of feel like it could be one of two ways. Yeah, we we can talk about that in future episodes too with some of our guests, which is our next topic here. That is our last topic of the night, and we're gonna bring on many different people in our podcast for this probably these next few months, especially in the off season. We're gonna talk about free agency and who we think is gonna go where. What's going to happen, whether deals are certain for certain teams are going to be good or not, I mean, like, or what certain teams need. And we're going to have many people on the podcast, especially our own person who owns Singer Ball, and that is Derek Blair. We're going to have him. We're going to have some of our girlfriends probably on this who don't know much about baseball. They know whether one team wins or not because they score <laughs> more points than the other team. But that's okay. You know, points. Runs. Points are. It's runs. Yeah, I know. I was you, being, you messed it up. I was being a funny. Ah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I was being a funny. Um, I've had it before where they said there was points, and I was like... Never had that problem yet. I have. I have. 
stuff. That's maybe just a me problem. It's probably just a you thing. Yeah, and then we're going to have some of our uh, old buddies from college who know a lot about baseball. Um, and hopefully they can be able to enlighten people with some fun stats or some information that nobody else really knows. Because we've all been through the college grind. And that's something that really makes us unique that most people really don't get to see. And we get to see a lot of different things. That's how we know so much about what we do and why we're able to talk on the level that we do about most of these stats. Yeah, I'm still on the grind. I'm still working, trying to figure stuff out. I mean, there's a, I change the way I pitch a lot, try to find new ways that are more effective. Uh, I actually did do what Strasburg did with the whole taking out the lineup thing, and it worked very well for me. So yeah. like, there's a lot of stuff that you can notice, and you can change about you. Uh, up to date and it's what a lot of this is what major leagues major leaguers do it minor leaguers do it college players do it uh we all kind of we try to work on our craft as much as we can and i'm me and logan here trying to share that with you guys as much as we can because uh we love the game of baseball and we know a lot about it so figure we might as well share it with the world absolutely i think that like just enlightening everybody with what we've been able to learn over our years. I mean, my five years in college, my unlucky or lucky, as some would put it, five years, I think that that's something that really goes unnoticed, and that's also why we have this experience. And also some of our friends who also have four to five years of experience and even you know some people who have different lenses on baseball, like statistical or playing or just no lens at all. Like, it doesn't really matter. But you can have so many different lenses on the game that makes it so exciting and fun to talk about. Well, I think it's very interesting that talking to people that have different, like you said, different lenses on the game, and it's very fun to watch. Like, uh, I went to a couple games up in Wrigley this year, and I'm sitting there, and in the pregame warm-ups, this is just a small example. Uh, pitchers give signals to the umpire, to the catcher, what they're throwing. Yeah. So fastball, curveball, changeup, slider, knuckleball, forkball all have a different glove motion or hand. If you're going two-seam, it'll just be you show the, show the two-seam, basically. Mm-hmm. But they all have different motions. And most people won't pick up on that. But I'm sitting there, and we're watching the warm-ups. And I just, he, he's, before he throws pitch, I go, fastball. Fastball comes in. Next one, curveball. Curveball comes in. And everyone's like, how are you doing this? I go, watch his glove. And they go, and like, they see, he does something with his glove. It's just a motion. It's just a. You take the glove, you flip it upside down, and you just curve make ball. it down motion, and it's a curveball. Yeah. And if you go, like, if you take, like, the glove and you just face it, it's a, it's a change up. And if you go up, it's a fastball. Those are the three basic ones. But uh, a lot of people don't notice that little yeah, small things in the aspect of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people don't really realize all those little nuances and, like, especially moments where you're going to be like, oh, but, or, oh, like, why are they playing a shift? Like, well, the shift's a new thing as well. Most people don't understand why they play the shift. It's because statistical analysis says a player is going to hit it in this side of the field. Like that's it. And then a pitcher will pitch him on the inside part of the plate and say, "Oh, he's going to now even like more likely to hit it to the right side of the infield." You look at Albert Pujols. Most people play him on the left side of the infield now, and they're going to be like, they're going to pitch him to the inside, and there's probably like an eighty percent probability that he's going to hit it to the yeah. left side, and. There's also, that is a big reason why his batting averages drop. You look at Joey Votto, Joey Votto figured it out because Joey Votto's a really, really good hitter. He is one of these, he's probably the smartest hitter in the MLB. Yeah, but I mean, our pools, he wasn't 
good enough at his age to figure out like, all right, they're doing this. I can't do that anymore. Like, I'm not good enough to do that. It's not even that he's not good enough. It's just I don't think he cares. If you hit the ball, pat like, like kind of like Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is not a big push hitter. Uh, if you look at the percentages, it's he hits the ball down the line. I believe it was close to like seven percent of the time. Yeah. To the legit shortstop hole was like ten, and then from second base over is, I think it was like eighty. 85% or 83% is from second base to first base where he hits the ball. And you know what? He, and all he does was, uh, I mean, obviously you saw it in the playoffs. I'm going to hit it on top of the, uh, the Budweiser sign. Yeah. I'm going to hit the ball. I, I'm going to hit it where nobody can catch it. And that's how he that's how he figured out how to beat it. And you saw that his home runs increased the last couple of years. The way to beat the shift, hit it over the shift. Hit it where nobody can catch it. That's hit the way, you, that's the the way you beat a defense is you hit it where nobody can catch the baseball. Chris Davis? Oh, boy. Hit it where nobody can. <laughs> wait, yeah, well, wait, Chris boy. Davis if you, didn't I mean, hit like, it. According, according to my watch here, he doesn't hit the ball much. Uh, oh. I think he had like a 129 average by the end of the year. He really, after he finally broke out of that streak of that hitless streak. Yeah. He turned it on a little he bit. Did. He was hitting ball. He was consistently hitting for balls for power. And even during that streak, he still like, it, it wasn't necessarily all weak contact. Yeah. It was a lot of hard contact and a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. But it just, he couldn't find the, he couldn't find a hole. And that was a lot of the shift because he was beating a, he was beating a dead horse. Absolutely. He was, I'm going to muscle up and I'm going yeah, to pull it. I'm going to pull it. I'm pulling this Going baseball. all in, man. And it took him hitting a freaking wall in order for him to to break that. That's going all in. As some baseball coaches in college, maybe ones that I've been to, say, you should go all in. You know, whatever your approach is, if you, hey, you know, like, I'm going to pull the ball, and that's the only thing you can do, and you're just going to be like, I'm going to hit it over the shift, good for you. It didn't work for Chris Davis. Chris Davis should figure out something else. Maybe he'd be really good at being a used car salesman. But I think he has a lot of money coming in because of this contract. So a used car salesman. It's a solid strategy. I mean, I, I could go into some people who I believe are going to be a used car salesman. But that's not in baseball. So it's fine. <laughs> All right. A.K.A. Mitch Trubisky. Shout oh, out. Chicago. We don't need to talk about that right now. I'm not a Bears fan, but we don't need to talk about that. We're going to have a lot of That's controversy. That's a different podcast for we're, we're, different That's day. a lot of different controversy, and we don't give a crap about football. We're here to talk about baseball. But, but on that note, Jacob. Hold on. Before we go any further, next next year, just jump into it right now. If you look at it today, nobody makes any moves. Teams say the same. Who's your World Series champion next year? Unbiased. If you say Cardinals, I swear to God. Okay, you stopped me before I jumped off the ledge. Thank you for that. I think the Miami Mar. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say, I think Philadelphia has a good chance. Yeah. I think that their team is solid enough, they stay healthy enough, and they get a chemistry among all the players. They have a really good chance to be a solid contender for the championship next year. I also think... That the Yankees, if they are healthy all year and they have guys who have played up to their potential all year long, which is a lot of ifs because, you know, like certain guys aren't going to play up to their potential. You're going to have 
a very, very competitive team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a New York and Philadelphia World Series in the future because that is just the teams they are raised to be. And I mean, like, no moves. I see those two teams. But with moves, I see New York and potentially Philadelphia. So, I mean, I don't know. I think I agree with you on one of them with no moves. I agree on the Yankees with no moves. But with no moves, I think on the other side of the on the other side of the league, you go to the NL side. I think it's a team that I was very high on going into this year's postseason until one big injury derailed them. I think Milwaukee has a very good chance to be a top tier team. Cause look at what they did with no Christian Milwaukee, Yelich. Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee. I'm not I, I I'm not a huge fan of Milwaukee. I think Ryan Braun's still a cheater. But Milwaukee Brewers have that type of team where they can be a very solid team and push for a World Series. They probably could have done it this year if Christian Yelich didn't decide he wanted to fall the foul the ball off his knee. And you know who you know who they played? Miami. I mean like we got her, yeah. But you know who they played in the wild card? Washington. We were sitting here, but we were sitting at the beginning of the year, or beginning of the postseason, and I said I thought Milwaukee was going to make it, and I thought they were going to compete for a uh, for a National League pennant. Yeah. And I still believe that. I think this team has something special about it, where they can go win against a lot of very good baseball teams, and I just think their biggest problem was it's really hard to compete for that long with no no true star player. Lorenzo Cain's coming back. You got, uh, you got on the mound. Need a little bit of help, but Gio Gonzalez is a good starter. Yep. Uh, shoot, who is the starter they threw in the wild card? What's his name again? Uh, Woodruff. Yep. Woodruff was injured Son. for the majority of the year. He is a top line starter. He will be an ace. He will be the ace for at least the next four or five years. Yeah. He is a great pitcher. They have every piece you possibly need, and obviously you got Hater in the back end. Yeah, true. They have everything you need to be a World Series talent team, and I genuinely think that sitting right now with no changes, it's them in New York. Now with the trades that I'm I'm thinking are going to happen, I think it's going to be Milwaukee and the Los Angeles Angels out of nowhere. Mike Trout's finally going to get a chance to compete for a World Series, <laughs> he a which he should have deserved. Up. Since he showed up in the league, he has been the best baseball player in the MLB oh, wow. since he stepped on a field. Oh, wow. That's a bold prediction. I think on that bold prediction, we might have to cut it off. Yeah. Go to I, the next I think, episode. I think that's about it. Obviously, we really appreciate you guys all listening. Uh, we love being here and being able to do this for you guys. Uh, make sure you follow us on all, all the Instagram, all the Twitter. And every page we own. So, Dinger Ball, Dinger Ball 1, Dinger Ball Pod C1. Check out our webpage at Dinger Ball. Talk underscore 44. Underscore and underscore. Out, <laughs> and make sure you check out our uh, our webpage, which has a lot of interesting stuff. There's a new piece by uh, a new member of our family, Choice Fielder, about the, the season review that was very interesting. You look at the a lot of different stats there as well. Yeah, make sure you follow him too. He has a lot of really good stats on there. That he, I mean, he goes really into depth. He's a really good guy. Um, his latest post about like postseason ERAs and regular season ERAs. He does a really good um, graph on that. 
and that's something you guys follow. Fit. There's also yep, the fielding and independent yep. pitching for those you don't know, but uh, he, he's a very uh, very good Twitter page to follow. He's a very good person to read about on, on the blogs, uh, and we really like we really appreciate him and everything he's been able to do. And we've had a lot of good conversation with him on Twitter as well. Uh, but definitely give him a follow and make sure as always like and subscribe to our page, Apple, Spotify. You guys know the rest, and we will see you all next week. Thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic week.